It's Bisexual Brunch with Lewis Oakley, Nicky Hodgson and Ashley Byrne. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. We as journalists and activists have always found it very difficult to find people who will openly talk about being bisexual. Just don't think there are enough bi perspectives on bi issues. I feel like we've got to talk about it because we're really comfortable doing that. It can be really intimidating. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. I've always found myself at the mercy of gay and straight advice. You can have a bit of competition to see who's the better bisexual bruncher. This is Bisexual Brunch. So then, guys, a new era, a new president of the United States. Well, president-elect. Of course, uh, Donald Trump might have something in store for the next three months. I don't know what he's going to be doing because he remains president, doesn't he, of America until... Uh, January the 20th so he, we, they might, he might have to be dragged kicking and screaming out of the White House but Joe Biden I listened to his speech um, and it was very interesting but he's got work to do on bisexuality he mentioned gay and lesbian and transgender and you would have thought as I know that um, Barack Obama held some kind of session or something in the White House about bisexuality just before he left office you'd have thought he'd have got used to the B but there was no B in his speech at all so we've uh, we've got some work to do there, Nikki. Yeah, what is that about? How could they miss that out? You know, him and Kamala Harris oh. are these kind of liberal bastions, and I was really excited to see both of them being a team together as well. Yeah, yeah. I just presumed, you know, Joe Biden's got so much political experience as well. You know, he's been really, hasn't he been in politics since he was basically like in his twenties, and he's yeah. got absolute decades. So yeah, I was really uh, frustrated to see and hear that, but. Is it just because they had a bad speechwriter and, I don't know, somebody was rushing? But I don't know. You think that the speechwriters tend to be younger as well. So I don't don't know how that got missed out. Very annoying. But it just shows you that this is the, you know, potentially the most powerful man in the world. And bisexuality still is still struggling to be be heard. Absolutely. We've we've got work to do. Um, Are you disappointed that it wasn't in there, Lewis? No, nothing surprises me with politicians. Uh, like I am, I, I just look at this whole thing. I mean, first of all, the Americans—they throw a very entertaining election. I have lost a lot of sleep over it this this week with like amazing waking yourself at like two a.m. and me being like, "Well, just check on the race," and then it's like three hours later, and I'm like, "Oh my god, no!" Like it, Biden is, you know, more progressive than Trump, obviously, but it's still a long way to go. Like I, I know it's a win. But it's, it's not, he's not amazing, I don't think. He's, there's a lot of things in politics that have gone on that I'm like, you know, over the years where I'm like, you're not amazing, you're just better than the other person. So I don't know. Like, to me, I'm like, I, I, but I never have my hopes in politics anyway, to be honest. So, you know, we'll see. And I'm also not even sure this is over. Like, until Inauguration Day in January, that's when it's over. Until then, God knows what happens. So I basically had to kind of be straight myself this week and I just basically had to tune off from it so I wasn't getting any work done I was being so distracted I was up like watching it I was just like no like this is going to go on for months okay and also I just I never put my hope in politicians that they're going to do anything to us that's why we do what we do right because I can't I don't want to have my rights guaranteed only under one certain political party it should be cross-party that those rights are just not even touched with it's not up for debate um, and they need activists and speakers and campaigners like us to, to ensure that 
they don't ever drop the ball on it. So disappointing you didn't say it, not surprised. Um, and we just have to keep the heat on politicians left, right and centre. I mean, at the end of the day, politicians are human beings, the systems and processes, and it's all about, you know, whatever anybody says, politics like life, actually. And like he was saying in his speech, and I was glad to hear this that side of it, his speech about the whole thing about compromise. Politics is about compromise. For some reason, we've been taught in recent years that it's not about compromise. It's about taking your bat and ball home and saying, only my way is the, is the right way. And actually, if one positive thing came out in the rhetoric was the fact that he was talking about, you know, trying to get people to come together and to compromise uh, on their different beliefs. And the fact that just because you hold a different opinion, and, you know, we've discussed this a lot and when it comes to bisexuality, just because you hold a different opinion does not make you an enemy of somebody. And, and I think that is one of the saddest things that's happened in more recent years. You know, when I was growing up, you know, liberals, Tories, Labourites, you know, socialists, everyone would be friends, but would be opponents at the same time. You know what I mean? You'd be friends with your opponents. You weren't enemies. No. Um, but for some reason, we've gone down this route of everyone hating each other. You know, the cancel. I blame Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Blame I, 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 I agree. I blame social media. I think social media is part of it. I agree. Yeah. Um, and, and I think... I think because people aren't forced anymore to talk to other people, you just go online and find a hundred people that already agree with you and everything. Yeah. Whereas yeah. back in the day before social media, you would talk to your neighbours and stuff or whatever it was, and you'd have to compromise and suss them out and be respectful. And yeah. that's all gone out of the window. And obviously our news media will then profile these really extreme versions of what's going on. And then everyone has a backlash like, no, we don't want that. And, and it, it's really the only people that really ever profit from this is the news. It's interesting thinking about the news because obviously I work for Sky News a lot and go on as a pundit. And I've made really good friends with my right-wing, my so-called right-wing opponents that I'm put on with because obviously you're doing the same job together. So of course you get to know each other and you laugh at the same things and the same things go wrong to you. You become friends. It's natural. Yeah. Uh, but the the way that the system is built they will do everything to make you as combative as possible with each other even in the environment when you're hired to do the job i remember going on news night one time and they literally keep you separate from the person you're on with so you won't talk beforehand so that you go off on each other when you put on screen and i just think that's so bonkers i know they're trying to get a good telly out of it but surely you can have a kind word and ask about someone's family and then still have a debate with them and it's there's no difference like this is why i've always been on the fence about whether we should have election debates because this is not x factor it shouldn't be like oh he got a diss in blah blah, blah. Be, no like policy what is going to happen yeah um, and i think you know we've had some sort of enter it's become entertainment politics and yeah. entertainment issues. And this isn't a joke. This isn't entertainment. This is people's lives. You're absolutely right. And, and the media has a lot to answer for. And I don't think we ever, as journalists, Nikki, I don't think mm. we ever look at ourselves at all. We think we can do I'm not talking about you and I. I'm talking about... No, of course. The body journalist thinks it can do no wrong. Yeah. And actually, um, you're right. You know, the guy who's, on, who's, who's pitched as your, as your right-wing enemy... He's probably not very right-wing on lots of things. He's probably very liberal on lots of things. Do you know what I mean? Uh, because there are liberal conservatives out there. You know, of there course. Are, there are right-wing Labourites out there. There are, there are Lib Dems who are a mixture of different things. You know, it's not, you know, nothing is black and white, but it's all portrayed as black and white. And life is not black and white, as we know, as bisexuals. <laughs> yeah. Bisexuals, we understand it. It's like you guys are this whole left and right, gay and straight. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about the binary. And I, I completely agree with you, Ash, about the politics, because think about 
you know, the old politicians that used to be cohorts and friends in British politics. You'd always have people on the left and right doing deals and working on cross-parliamentary committees to eat with each other and pushing through legislation that helped that change people's lives for good. Yeah. And we need more of that. And also, in the, just going to go back to the American election, obviously the situation with the Senate is that the Democrats and the Republicans are going to be in conflict with each other unless they decide to work together on human yeah. rights issues. Yeah. So, you know, they, 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 I think that was quite clever about Biden's speech because he recognises that he is really stacked against it. Just because he's won doesn't mean that he's in control automatically, if that makes no, sense. No, no, exactly. But people have got to realise that there is not one ism, you know, liberalism, conservatism, socialism, that has a monopoly on the world. You know what I mean? It's not like that. And I think what we need more than anything is plurality. People to understand yeah. that, that life is about, you know, trying... And, and actually, in a way... And a lot of people would, a lot of people don't like me saying this in certain elements of the LGBT community, but, and it did take a long time, but if it wasn't for those politicians in the late 60s in Parliament after the Wolfenden report, compromising over the whole area of getting, you know, legalizing homosexuality, we wouldn't have got to where we are now with it. Do you know no. what I mean? It took a long time, but they are actually, for me, they're heroes because actually they did it there, they did it when it was a period of time when, you know, there was a lot of opposition. So mm -hmm. Edwina Curry uh, often doesn't get credit for the fact that she managed to move the age of consent further yeah. down from 21 to 18 in the late, in, yeah. the, in, the, in the 90s. But, you know, they're all part of that pro progress. And sometimes compromise is what d brings progress. And actually Absolutely. It, it brings lasting progress yeah. as opposed to suddenly having you know, going from one thing to another, which then often causes problems, you know what I mean? Yeah, That's think about the Good Friday Agreement, or there's just, there's just so many, so many uh, examples of when people actually pull together, then you make change for exactly. everybody. Exactly. So I'm, it's interesting to see whether or not uh, the rhetoric from Biden will now play out over here and we'll get our politicians actually, because the media often copies what's going on in America. So mm -hmm. whether they'll try and say, well, actually, why don't, you know, why doesn't, um, you know, uh, Starmer and Davey and Sturgeon and, and Johnson all get together and work on things a bit more on coronavirus or whatever? It'll be interesting to see. But on bisexuality, you know, it, it feels to me as though we do need somebody like the President of the United States um, to actually make a bit of a stand. And, you know, if Obama did it towards the end of his presidency, if, if, if Biden's going to have to compromise more with the Republican side, that might be a little bit more difficult. But having said that, uh, I know quite a lot of American Republicans who are very, very liberal on... Um, absolutely. So it's not impossible. No, no, absolutely. And I just think, you know, actually, as the president, you are allowed to take a stand on certain issues. So if you strongly feel from your heart that something is being misrepresented in uh, political debate, or there's, there's one area, or there's a certain sector of people that are being marginalized and it is your duty as leader of the free world in my opinion to ensure that that minority group gets the same positive treatment as everybody else Absolutely. you know so Absolutely. it just it's just it's just really whether we get lucky and whether biden does actually or someone in biden's camp does care about bisexuality and you know there's kind of we've some work got, down the line we've just got to make sure it's not under the radar we've got to shout about it far more yeah absolutely <laughs> and get and try and get joe on and and camilla <laughs> Only say no, right? <laughs> well, I bet there's somebody in their camp we could get on. There'll be someone further down the pecking order we could. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We need to. We'll. We need to look at the Congress. Yeah, you know, the the Congress and the Senate and see who's in there and who's uh, 
exactly. who's spoken out about these issues. So that's the American election. Obviously, that's going to rumble on. As you say, we, it's not all over, as I agree with Lewis. It's not, well, what, what, uh, it's what, not. On earth, what on earth is going through Trump's mind at the moment? It, I try and be optimistic, but I, with this, I'm just like, I'm not going to get any emotion in this. Like, let's just... I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, the person who's emotional, I think he's Donald Trump. I think, you know, t- taking away the politics for a second, I think that guy, you know, and I don't agree with him on anything, whatever. I think deep down, he's a very sensitive, emotional chap who's been very badly affected, but will be bad, badly affected by all this. And I just hope there are people around him that can take him through it and make sure he doesn't do anything stupid, is what I'm hoping. You know, because, you know, we are talking, at the end of the day, we're talking about human beings. He likes to win, doesn't he? And this will have hit him quite heavily. And therefore, he needs people around him to keep him, uh, you know, his feet on the ground in, in, in many ways. So watch this space. But there's been some positive news, hasn't there, Lewis, this week around HIV infection amongst gay and bisexual men. Um, yes. Tell us about that, but I gather you're not particularly happy about the statistics. Tell us more. <laughs> I'm happy about the news. I'm not happy about how we got there, I guess it is my summary. So, for those that don't know, new HIV HIV diagnoses amongst gay and bisexual men have now dropped their lowest level in 20 years. Is that in Britain or worldwide? Well, it's according to Public Health England, so I think it's the whole of the UK, if not then just England. I can't see anywhere in here. It's probably just England, yeah. But I think it's just England. Anyway, so that's great news, I guess. Um, The only problem is, as with everything Public Health England, which, why are they still around? I thought they they were given the chop but they're still putting out reports. But Public Health England have been the worst offenders for not understanding that there is a difference between gay and bisexual men. So all of the research they commission will say X percent of gay and bisexual men are more likely to X, whatever it is. And it's just ridiculous because when you're looking at people's risk of catching sexually transmitted infections, the fact that you don't take into account that, well, gay men only have sex with men, bisexual men could be having sex with men and women, could that possibly create a difference? The fact that that never is in their mind is just why I've never really seen them as a credible organization and why I don't really see research as this is very credible. So shame on them. That said, great news that the HIV figures are coming down. And I really do think this is an example of how equity works in action. You know, it's saying, you know, look, Men that have sex with men are more at risk of catching HIV. That we know. And we saw what happened in the 80s. And we've really worked on how do we stop that? And, you know, I mean, back when I was single, you know, you couldn't open Grindr or a gay magazine or anything without health adverts saying, you know, have you got tested? The the best one I ever saw was just the, um, it was like a picture of like, a ruffled up bed that people had had sex in, obviously. And it was like, your um, last sexual health test expired here, which I thought was a really good one. And, you know, you can't go into gay clubs in, in London, at least, without there being buckets of condoms on the side. Like, we've really promoted safe sex. We've really promoted um, getting regular testing. You know, when I was single, I was getting tested, like, every three months. You really recommended every six months. Whereas some straight people I know have never been tested in their life. So I really think we, we've really made a, a, a good effort with this. And thank God for PrEP and PEP that's, that's also been helpful. And we're, we're bringing it down. It's, it's the lowest level in 20 years. I haven't yet looked at how we compare to straight people. So I, I remember at one point it was like, one in a thousand straight people has HIV. But in London, it was like one in 10 gay people have HIV. So the, the, 
the, the difference between gay and straight people has always been quite high. I don't know if we've bridged that, that gap yet. Um, but it's great news. And I think it really shows that we as a, as a community really took this issue head on and we dealt with it. And, and we're, we're making positive steps towards, you know, getting to a point where it doesn't affect us any more than it does straight people, which is great. But if we really want to double down, we need to understand that gay and bisexual men have different sex lives. Yeah, and there could be a story there that isn't being told, you know, because we don't have the, the right figures. We don't, we're not getting necessarily to the right people. People aren't necessarily declaring themselves in always honestly. You're right, Lewis, we, we need to sort of double down and, and work out what the issues are. And, and maybe as we get a new body, we can try and challenge them on that because I think uh, it's, 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 you know, it, 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 we, this should have been being done a long time ago. I mean, it's not, it, it's quite obvious there are differences between gay and bisexual men and how, how nobody has actually understood that. Um, I, I really don't know. I mean, another area, um, slightly in a way connected, I suppose, is um, I, I, I just had, as you know, just had COVID and I had an antibody uh, test this week and found out I've got antibodies. So I'm, I think I'm okay for a few, few months. It gives me a bit of reassurance. Um, but I've had several people in touch with me. I've not had a chance to talk to them yet. Um, the left messages and things asking me to donate um, blood plasma, you know, to help in the in the whole fight against COVID, etc. Um, but I'm probably going to have the conversation that I'm a bisexual man, aren't I? And I can't actually donate blood plasma. We're still in that situation, aren't we? Whereby you can't donate things just because you've uh, you you happen to possibly have had sex with an another man at some point. That's right, isn't it, Nikki? Are we still in that situation? I actually don't know. Like, obviously they changed the law for blood donation in general for gay men, didn't they? But they didn't count by men in that. So it was all, they rebranded, they rebranded everything, uh, men that have sex with men. Do you remember that? Um, yeah. I think it's MSM, right? So that's what, yeah. that's the phrase they use around blood donation. I can't give blood because I used to be a sex worker. Right. Even though I never had penetrative sex with people. Well, I used a strap on on them. They got fucked, not me. But the point is, I'm not allowed to donate blood. And I've had so many arguments with the blood donation service. You can't say that on Sky News, can you? No, I can't say that on Sky News. So that's why I save it up for this programme. But I, I just think that's absolutely mad. You've got all these people that want to donate blood that are perfectly healthy. That, again, like, you know, as a community, sex workers take better care of their health because they are, have, you know, there's a slightly higher risk. So they get tested more regularly. But we're not allowed to donate blood. Blood. and I can never donate blood that's absolutely bonkers crazy isn't it crazy. I'm getting off the subject but anyway yeah. no, but you know what's really interesting is I can donate blood because yeah. I'm a I'm a guy that hasn't had sex with a with another guy for years now yeah but Laura because my fiance because she has had sex with a bisexual guy in like the last couple of months obviously me she can't that's it's ridiculous. That's just mad. So I could do it, but she couldn't. <laughs> and how can they prove that you... I mean, I know, I'm know. i sure you're being honest. I guess people how, just lie, but on paper, that's the rule. Yeah, but how can, yeah. They, how can they prove that somebody hasn't had... You know, as, I well, it's bizarre, isn't it? Surely, surely it should all be about condom use. I mean, statistically, it should all be about condom use. It shouldn't be about anything well, else. That's the blood. Anyway, like, and I'm sure they right. do, right? So why aren't they... I don't know. It is bonkers. Yeah, another area we need to look at at some point, I'm sure. Now, we often talk, don't we, since we started this, uh, this show, about various people coming out, famous people coming out, well-known people coming out as bisexual. Some people coming out as bisexual and then deciding to go back in, <laughs> as, as yep. Lewis and I discussed a few weeks ago, and Lewis was not very happy about that at all. But somebody came out in the last week or so um, who isn't famous, works for the railways, um, and was basically 
had entered into, he's a, he's a railway engineer uh, based in Derby, entered into a competition to name the Pride train, which um, Avanti West Coast decided to have for the, you know, for the, for the Pride celebrations uh, back in July and August. And he won the competition. He, he basically, he called it the Progress Train. As far as um, Edward Godfrey is concerned, there's still a lot of progress to be made around LGBT um, issues. And particularly, he was telling me, uh, within the railway industry, which I found quite interesting because um, I've always felt with the railways that, you know, there's a fair amount of LGBT people work on the railways. I've always come across, you know, <laughs> fairly camp guards and all sorts of things. Um, but apparently, you know, in the wider industry, engineering and the rest of it, there is still a lot of homophobia out there. Off the back of this, um, he decided to actually come out um, as bisexual and made a big point about it. And he's been all over Pink News. He's been on the BBC local radio. So in various elements, the national press have picked it up. And it's fantastic, really, because... You know, he's not famous. He's not, you know, a well-known person. He's not a politician. He's not an actor. He's not, you know, a big star. He's, um, you know, an ordinary guy who happens to work for the railways. And I think, I don't know what you think, but I think that's that's great that it's getting so, it's getting picked up and getting so much coverage because that will have helped a lot of people, won't it? Because some people will think, oh, so-and-so has come out, you know, they're well-known and all the rest of it. Well, they can be. They can afford to be because they're in, they've, got, they've got a bit of power about them or, you know, they're working in flamboyant circles or... You know that all those kind of things, but this is really nice, isn't it? To get somebody, somebody out there who isn't well known, putting their above the parapet and um, and and telling their story. I think that's brilliant. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I think it's really good because there's no reason for him to declare it unless it's true. Do you yeah. know what I mean by that? So, like with celebrities, they might be doing it because it's kind of a point scoring thing, or it will help align them to get a certain job. Because I've seen loads of celebrities come out as bi just to kind of get an LGBTQI sticker on yeah. their promotions. They can then do a bunch of things for those charities. And, you know, it's like, it's a branding thing. Yeah, of course it is. And, um, and they might, and I'm not saying that they're not bi, but you know, you've you got to be a little bit cynical about it, or I am certainly having worked yeah. in PR for a little while. And I bet Lewis will be a little bit as well. And but, also, also yeah. means Lewis has now got some competition. <laughs> Cause he needs it. Cause he is quite big headed about his status, isn't he? It's like the ultimate bisexual. If you put in Edward Godfrey and, and the computer now, and, and you, he comes up and there's pictures of him everywhere and whatever. So you've got some competition, Lewis. I'm, I'm going to have a look at him. Let's see how, how much competition he is. That's what I want to know. Hang on. Edward, Edward Godfrey. Edward Godfrey, yeah. God, I Lewis. welcome my fellow bisexuals. I don't see them as competition. Um, but no, it's great to have more bisexual men in the world. The more, I think the thing is with bisexual men, the more voices we have on this and the more experiences shared, the easier it is for the almost 80% of bisexual men that are in the closet too terrified to come out. Indeed. Fantastic. Like, and let's hear about it. Indeed. Well, we are going to hear about it because we're actually going to hear um, Ed's story. Um, he chatted to me about um, how he'd come to terms with bisexuality, his, his bisexual journey. So have a listen to this and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. Okay, I'm going to do that. Have you found him, uh, Nikki? Yeah, he's super cute. Definitely a yeah, competition. Nice oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get my shirt off? <laughs> get your shirt off again. Get your, do- get your dad bod out. <laughs> You're listening to Bisexual Brunch. I'm aware that my first childhood crush um, would have been Katie Hill off Blue Peter and looking back probably my my second childhood crush was Matt Baker off Blue Peter but I wouldn't have um I, I don't know how to put it no, but don't worry don't, don't worry you, don't, you know you don't have to, just, just you know just, basically, <laughs> I suppose what you're saying is that you 
the society and the norms at the time and amongst your you know kids and parents or whatever was that boys like girls basically exactly exactly and I I think that that's still the assumption um but yeah and so moving on in my life uh, becoming hitting adolescence and that hell um I've sort of found emails between myself and someone who I had feelings for saying look I've I have feelings for you, but I'm not sure where I want to go with them because I think I might also have feelings for men and I don't really know what that means. I'd entirely forgotten about that exchange, just put it out of my mind. But I uh, sort of my first distinct memory of discussing bisexuality was, I think, a year nine, possibly year 10 English class. And there was this general attitude that bisexual people or bisexuality was either a label that applied mostly to girls um or it was for gay people who weren't brave enough to go the whole way or it was for excessively flamboyant um men who weren't you know they were just doing it for attention and that none of those three things applied to me um so i just sort of went well straight then um down that trouser leg um i went and you know, continued my life assuming I was a heterosexual man, and that's fine. Um, and, you know, I continued to assume that for quite a long time, but there was always a sort of niggling knowledge that it wasn't the whole truth. And I have to say, I have kissed a large number of men um, as a joke, always as a joke, never as a serious thing. But, you know, it's that sort of well, obviously the signs were there. I just wasn't really looking at them or for them. You can get away with it a bit, can't you? When when they think you're straight. Exactly. You sort of get away with it. <laughs> when I thought I was straight, you know, it was just, that was me just being silly, showing off, being outrageous, because sometimes you just want to be a bit outrageous. Um, and, you know, that was fine. And I progressed with my life just assuming I was straight with an occasional flamboyant moment. Went off to university, met the woman who, uh, you know, has now become my wife, continued assuming, um, I guess, but still questioning and certainly questioning more towards the end of my time at university. I've, I've, I've discussed with a few friends recently, when did I start coming out? And I think it, it was maybe towards the end of university where I started not using the word bisexual but perhaps not using the word straight to describe myself by curious uh, maybe or just uh, you know I just think I just dropped the labels altogether and just you know I assumed and and, you know to a, a great extent I continue to assume it makes really no difference to my life at this point you know I I don't plan on leaving my wife and uh you know, that's why this is never breaking news. But being bisexual is not just about having... No, 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 of course not. It's of about course your identity not. in terms yeah. of uh, being able to just acknowledge more than anything that you might... Yeah. Fan- you, fan- you fancy men and you find men attractive, not just in a sexual sense, but in, a, in an emotional sense and, yeah. and all that kind of thing. Yeah, how, and it's, a, it's how, about truth. Yeah, so, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, left university started work continued questioning and at some well fairly early in my professional career I sat in a meeting with just genuinely staggering 
stone age ignorant opinions being shared someone who isn't so far as i know bisexual being slagged off with all of the biphobic terms i could possibly imagine on the grounds he was you know, slightly camp i guess um and that stung quite a lot not just because yeah I, I, that set something in motion in my head i think because it it didn't just feel like an attack on my progressive values it felt weirdly personal and so you know continued questioning and at some point i came to the conclusion um i don't know it does all make sense if uh if instead of assuming looking every looking at everything through a sort of heterosexual lens i um start looking at everything or you know start viewing myself as a bisexual person that makes a lot more sense it feels a lot more true and yeah i, I pretty swiftly came out to my um then fiance and that was fine um how did she how did she react i mean entirely it, unsurprised really that's interesting that's interesting and she was and she was comfortable with it because you did you, i don't know whether she's bisexual or not but she's, she's probably she's straight she's straight um, yeah but you do get stories don't you of a lot of straight women saying that they'd never ever date a bisexual you know what i mean because they they're really nervous about a bisexual you know cheating the usual stereotypes that come out but she was fine was she yeah i think she's got the advantage i think she's dated two men who've ended up being gay um and definitely gay and so you know this was a bit less scary than that um so yeah no, it, yeah i i don't know whether there was ever any doubts in her mind she just certainly didn't express any and she didn't doubt even though you were expressing that you were you were bisexual she didn't suddenly doubt your commitment to her no no i, I think um yeah I, it's a line i've come to really loathe but i used it in my um, radio derby interview she went from oh, it makes me feel sick even saying it but she went from being you know one in three and a half billion people that i could potentially be attracted to to one in seven billion people that i could potentially be attracted to and that i think is quite a flattering viewpoint for anyone um and you know she really is so i i yeah i don't i don't get the impression that there was ever any kind of threat feeling from her uh, apart from anything i've always had an incredibly mixed group of friends so you know i've always had female friends probably always had predominantly female friends so it's not like um, all of a sudden I was going out with a group of people that, oh, maybe he now fancies the people he's going out with because that potential perception would always have been there because I was always going out with mixed groups or, um, you know, women. It, it's not. So have you had have you had any relationships with men at all? No, um, but I've not had many relationships with anyway. other humans anyway. So it's not. Uh, <laughs> That's that's not a huge statement. Uh, I think, yeah, it, it's the the realization that that was a possibility came somewhat too late. But I'm not bitter about that at all. No, no. Obviously, there are people who have, um, um, and we've talked to people uh, on this program on you know who have everyone has different kinds of lives. So obviously, there are some people in monogamous relationships. There are quite a lot of people in very open relationships, that kind of thing. You know, so I suppose everyone deals with it in different ways, but. Mm -hmm. um, as we said just now, it's not just about the act of sex. And I think a lot of the time people do get mixed up because we call ourselves bisexuals and the word sex is in the middle. Everyone thinks that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. 
and of course it isn't it is about emotions and, and and other things so if you were to say then how would you describe it you know would you say you were 50 50 60 40 90 10 you know how would you see if you were asked to put it on some kind of scale how would you see your sexuality close to 50 50 mostly attracted to my wife now i think that's the thing is um you know i'm uh i've I've not done a great deal of soul searching on exact labels because you know i'm far too far down this relationship line for it to make any difference but you know for me attraction comes a lot from um sort of emotional and social bonding as well as well as sort of physical things so you know physical attraction is, is 50 50 but i don't find um yeah I, I find it difficult to sort of uh imagine that without having first made any kind of emotional yeah. bond with someone it, it's um of course of course do you do you and because you, you've got this openness and you've got it sounds like you've got a fantastic relationship and i'm in a relationship with a, a man and he's great about it as well we've never had any problems in any way shape or form which is brilliant and we can talk about you know people we fancy and all the rest of it do you find with um your wife that you can do that you know if, if, a, if a matt baker was to come on the tv would you be able to say to her actually you know what i used to have a great crush in fact you probably still got a crush on matt baker <laughs> i definitely and yeah that, that, that definitely come you know that is the sort of thing that comes up and is is quite a sort of nice um side effect of this is uh yeah is, is being able to to extend those sort of stupid conversations about um you know which of the doctor who's is the hottest and why and uh yeah all of those sort of things it, it's it, yeah that is another, yeah, another amusing sideline yeah exactly exactly you know you've come out recently you you talked there about having this sounds a great relationship where you're actually able to be really open about um your feelings and your bisexuality etc um it's tremendously liberating I, I i agree with you um what's your suspicion about how many other people are out there who are like you and i um but probably can't convey it and haven't had the chance and the ability and the, the look in some respects and the right situation to be able to convey it you know some of those people that you're talking about in the industry in the rail industry who have been quite bigoted you know they could actually be closeted bisexuals you know it's that does happen you know yeah i, I don't know i that's a hard one to to sort of respond to and i think it you know the, the percentages are higher than sort of any kind of indication because lots of people won't have been given the language or given the uh, forum to express and explore that um i don't know um yeah i i, I wouldn't like to put a sort of percentage figure even on on how many of us there are um you know I've, you, I've met... what, I mean is, what i mean is do you from your own experience of life generally do you think there are more people out there than than you know than, than we think? Do you think there yeah. are you know other guys who particularly I'm talking about guys in particular now rather than I'm obviously we obviously we know there's a fair few women as well and they have a slightly different sort of issues and things to deal with because of course the way in which women are sexualized by men and all the rest of it and it's seen as being a you know a, a plaything really for men, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but for 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 men who are bisexual, um 
it's something that you just generally they just don't admit do they because they think they're going to be you know completely labeled gay they don't understand the, what the middle ground means you know it, it's um and, and i suspect there's a lot of people who keep it really bottled up until they're in their probably until they're in their 40s or 50s and then suddenly they might be in a relationship with a what with their you know woman or whatever and they suddenly break away from that because they want to do something else or whatever and and suddenly come out as gay but actually they probably aren't gay they probably are bisexual do you know what i mean but but they can't they can't deal with it because they don't know nobody's discussed the term with them and what the parameters are you know so it's it's quite it's quite scary really to think there's actually a lot of people who are probably you know mixed up in that set in that way you know what i mean so you know yeah and i'm quite I lucky think... i think is what i'm saying so. <laughs> yeah i mean I, I think the um I, I suspect there is an aspect, an element to which, um, yeah, I probably label myself as heterosexual just because I'm really lazy, and it's, you know, it was the path of least resistance. There was, you know, if you're bisexual, and particularly if you're a bisexual man, it is much much easier to just go, oh, oh I can't be doing with all this stress and noise and and you know all of a sudden you know particularly you know i am a um fairly well spoken fairly middle class uh very tall very white man and all of those things put me in the sort of top um top drawer of luck really uh in certain um british society and so yeah it, why would why would anyone opt to leave that wonderful uh set of you know wonderful um set of attributes to suddenly be not straight yeah. um you know it, it's and, and also there just aren't any role models let's face no, it no no that's yeah, the other thing is very, very few. yeah if you were to default to a stereotype you would say straight people you know boring bland beige you've got gay people who are generally portrayed as being flamboyant or very camp or whatever yeah. um and bisexual people you know if they're portrayed they tend to sort of fall in that middle ground of being basically beige but occasionally quite exciting or, um, or, or they're seen as um, very 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 adventurous when it comes to sex yeah promiscuous and all the rest of it which yeah. which is nothing wrong with that at all if people want to be like that but it's not everybody. There are straight people and gay people who are promiscuous as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, there's, there is a um, element to which the reason that I didn't identify as bisexual is because I'm quite a boring person. I'm, I'm quite beige. I'm quite happy to, you know, sit in my... In fact, yeah, it's very, you're very beige. The room looks very beige. <laughs> um, so, so just the last, last couple of questions. I mean, obviously, if you've anything else you want to say, you, you can do. But um, what? And by the way, my partner's gay. But um, since I came out as bisexual quite a long time ago now, he often, every now and again, says, "Do you think I might be bisexual as well?" And I say, "No." But he always goes on about it um, because it becomes a bit of a, you know, it has in certain quarters. It's become a little bit of a fashionable thing as well. The whole thing of labelling people bisexual—you have to be aware of that sometimes. But, but just a couple of last questions. What do you think then, on a positive side, because we can all moan and groan about no role models and biphobia and homophobia and all the rest of it, what's the positive thing 
would you say about realizing that you're bisexual? What's the great thing about bisexuality, do you think? Because I think we're still, we're still getting to, we haven't really completely understood it totally yet because we haven't had that opportunity. So what would you say is the great thing about being bisexual? I don't know that there necessarily is. I think that the great thing is being honest and being able to be honest. Um, you know, it's it's freeing. And you look at people who've written about, um, you know, people, oppressed people who aren't able to then be free um, or, or not be free and writing about their oppression. It's the truth that is the most liberating thing. Um, and so for me, the fact that winning the competition forced my hand and made me do the very tedious admin of coming out to my very open and honest family to my very progressive family um was just that you know i no longer have to temper anything i say online i no longer have to hedge anything to make it so i don't have to have the lightly awkward conversation um because you know i mean one of the uh sort of comments that comes out a lot about being bisexual is well, you've got to come out a lot you know you come out every day you come out to every person you meet um i have slightly bucked that trend because if you google my name the top three pages now are news stories of me coming out as bisexual with photographs um of my face so that you know as someone who hates admin this has been an absolutely fantastic method of, of doing that but yeah the um yeah the, the real advantage of being bisexual for me is or labeling myself as bisexual is that it is honest and that is the most freeing thing railway engineer ed there talking about his bisexual journey his unique bisexual journey because all those bisexual journeys we have are very unique all very different and he raised some interesting issues there which uh, i'm going to discuss uh, with nikki and lewis straight after these messages <laughs> Listening to the Bisexual Brunch podcast from the creators of Bisexual Brunch. Dale, how the hell did I end up here? Based on a true story. What choice do you have? Tell the world that Rock Hudson is gay. You're a good-looking kid. I don't have anyone else on my books like you. How about I start to represent you? A moving forty-minute drama based on the life and career of Rock Hudson. Yes. Good boy just made the best decision of your life. Written by Tim Fountain and starring Michael Xavier and Betty Bourne. Rock! Rock? Strong. Masculine. Rock Fitzgerald? Not Fitzgerald. Sounds Irish. Nebraska, Washington, Hudson. Hudson. What about Rock Hudson? Get your coat on. I'm going to introduce Rock Hudson to Hollywood. Listen by searching for the Distinct Nostalgia podcast or visit distinctnostalgia.com. we got to do something about your voice, kid. We're going to snap your vocal cords. What? Ah. Uh, louder. Ah. Uh, louder. Uh. Rock. Winner of the BBC's first ever online audio drama award. Look, Dale. I'm dying of this godforsaken disease. And pretty soon thousands, maybe millions, will die the same way. 
Hello and welcome to The Likely Dads, a new series that looks at parenting from the paternal perspective. I'm always wary of people who plan kids. If your life's that structured, stay away from me, we're not going to get on. <laughs> a brand new show from the team behind Bisexual Brunch. I'm Tim Vincent and each week I'll be joined by my fellow Likely Dads, Mick Ferry and Russell Kane, as well as a series of special guests to discuss different aspects of fatherhood. When a man has an urge to have a, a child, it's not spoken about much, women sort of own this area. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be like the old films I watch where I'd just have a pipe and I'd be in a study. You just go, you're going to see your father now for 10 minutes. <laughs> Hello, children, what have you been up to today? I'm not interested. All right, off to bed. <laughs> An MIM production for BBC Radio 4. We hope you'll join us and subscribe to The Likely Dads on BBC Sounds. Suicide is sadly something which affects people from all backgrounds. A brand new podcast brought to you by the Zero Suicide Alliance. I'm Professor Alice Roberts and this is Life Matters. In our feature on the latest initiatives from around the world, we find out how three schoolgirls from Brazil have developed a suicide prevention app aimed at Generation Z. If something bad happened to me today, I'll go there and add a drop of water. We're with the team at Hollyoaks to hear how they've been showing how soap can inspire life-saving conversations among men at risk of suicide. This way you get to see Darren's journey behind the scenes. He's really struggling and he doesn't know how to reach out. He doesn't know how to get help. You know, it's always been this taboo subject. And how talking about your troubles over a short back and sides is proving popular in Bolton. You know what what signs to look out for. Just listen to them, listen to them with empathy. Even some of the best mates don't know half the stuff they tell you. Just let them say what they need to say and then at the end just signpost them to the right people. Just that element of trust between like you and your barber or you and your hairdresser. Join me, Professor Alice Roberts, for the very first edition of Life Matters. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. And visit zerosuicidealliance.com for a free online awareness course that could help you save lives. Coming soon to Distinct Nostalgia. Do you want a cup of tea? I'll have half a cup. And that caught on. Yeah, that became a kind of catchphrase, I think. It was the hilarious film of 1999. It wasn't anything to do with race or religion or creed or colour. It was as simple as an art student who thinks he's all free and easy creating a model of a vagina and showing it to his mum and thinking that that's going to be okay. East is East by Ayub Khan Din broke new ground by portraying a relationship between a British woman and her Asian husband and their mixed-race family growing up in Salford in the early 1970s. A clash of cultures and generations ensues. Oh, frig off and wash your bastard curtains, you dirty cow. And I swear to God, that's one of the best lines I've ever had to say in my life. But the film had a serious side too, tackling both racism and domestic violence. I threw myself and put all my physical strength into trying to stop him, and I couldn't. In Helsinki, they were saying, I can't believe you've made this film. It's incredible because it's showing what life is like for us now. A series of special interviews with Linda Bassett, Leslie Nicholl and Chris Bisson as we mark this classic British film's 21st birthday. It was a great script and it was a timely thing to tell because it hadn't been told before. They've done all sorts of incredible things to transport you back in time to give you an authentic feel of what it was like. East is East at 21. Coming soon to Distinct Nostalgia. You're listening to Bisexual Brunch. So before the break, we heard Ed's story. Very brave, I think, to come out and, and declare himself 
bisexual, you know, obviously, as you say, his, his family is very uh, progressive and that wasn't necessarily going to be particularly hard. Uh, but, he's, but still going through it is, um, is a bit of a pain, having to go through and explain it and all the rest of it. Um, but he came out very publicly. And um, as you said, if you look him up on the, on the internet now, um, he's, you know, he's, he's almost as prolific as, uh, as Lewis Oakley, but there, are, there aren't any topless pictures of, uh, of Ed. Um, you can find it lots of topless count. pictures. <laughs> they can have that competition later in the year, I think. Or, well, next year, probably, when we've all got back in the exactly. gym. But it was nice and refreshing, wasn't it, to hear, hear his story and to hear what, you know, and, and I just thought there's some interesting things that came out there um, and we'll, we'll, we'll build up to the last one because I want to know what, your, what, your, your, what all your fir first crushes were in a moment, but we'll come to that um, <laughs> at the end. Um, but I thought it was interesting some of the things he said there and some of the things, I mean, I think it was very, very refreshing and he was very honest, but there were elements of it that I was slightly concerned about because you know we're here talking about bisexuality uh, we're very open about our bisexuality we we in a way i suppose wear it on our sleeve and not everybody has to wear their sexuality on the sleeve obviously um but in terms of the progress of bisexuality being accepted there are certain elements of that conversation that worry me slightly you know things like he said it makes no difference to my life at this point um so he doesn't really have to go around telling people he's bisexual and obviously that's up to him he doesn't have to so you know sexuality is a private thing um and then he was saying that you know a lot of men um get into a straight relationship and think to themselves well what's the point of making a big mm -hmm. hoo-ha about it because um i might as well just have a quiet life kind of thing and that concerns me actually um if we were in a world where you know where everybody was open and we'd started, you know, started it all, you know, um, centuries ago and everybody was on a level and all the rest of it, uh, it would be different. But I, yeah, it, it really worries me that because it, it, it makes me feel that that closetedness, that people coming out late in life and being mixed up for much of their life um, is going to continue. If we still, if we continue with those, those sort of attitudes in a way, what, what do you think, Nikki? Yeah, I mean, I obviously, I'm, I just think it was a beautiful story. And I think what really came across there was how solid Edward is with his wife and how sensitive he was to her needs and her feelings about him coming out, which, you know, you don't have to be. You can just think about yourself. But he's not, he's not saying any of that. He's obviously in a very happy relationship. But I think, yeah, the worry for me would be that we know that people, bisexuals, come out later. And if bisexuals are just hiding their bisexuality for a quiet life, well, there's always a repercussion of that, which is basically you're not kind of being honest, being allowed to be honest about who you are and to the rest of everybody else. And I think what happens is there'll be little moments in your life where maybe somebody will make a biphobic comment, but because you're not out, you're not going to quite counter it. And then I think that, that all that kind of stuff is what compounds this sense of bi people not being quite out there and not quite having the same kinds of rights and you know the NHS or PHE being able to get away with things around bisexual health because most people are keeping it quiet that silence is always what leads to oppression as well like we know that you know so and I'm not getting on to for a second about Ed, Edward's stance it, it's not about that but I think yeah from a public perspective from a, a public understanding perspective you have to have noise around the, the subject matter what do you think, Lewis? I mean, does that worry you that there are, you know, people out there who, you know, who are, in, who are bisexual, who, because they're in a, in, a, in a very good relationship, whether it be 
gay or straight, don't actually talk about it, don't mention it, and are quite happy, well, not happy, but sort of go into that mode of thinking, well, what's the point of rocking the boat and saying anything? Because, you know, actually I'm in a relationship and I'm in a monogamous relationship, I'm not really doing anything much about it. So there's no point. Yeah, I would say this is up there with probably the top three bisexual issues we need to tackle. And look, like, I'm not judging anyone. Like, I remember myself, like, being younger at 19, 20 and being like, well, you know what, like, I'm bisexual, so I can end up with a man or a woman. So if I end up with a woman, then there's really no need for me to go through this uncomfortable thing of coming out. So let's just see who I end up marrying. Why, why come out to my parents until I know? Because might come out for nothing. Um, and that's a very young kind of mentality to have where you're trying to protect yourself from having awkward conversations. So I, I understand it. I'm not judging it. Um, and, it, you know, as you then go, become older and you do settle down, say if you settle down with a guy or you settle down with a girl, of course it's easier to just be like, oh, well, I'm gay or, you know, oh, I'm straight. The problem is that nothing ever advances then. So, you know, then... Like, I remember being told by someone, you know, oh, well, you don't get anyone that's bisexual over 30, do you? Um, and this was, like, when I was really, like, just coming out as bi. And I'll never forgive myself, but I was like, yeah, I guess. Because I just wasn't confident enough to defend myself back then. Um, and that is really the issue, is that, pe and, you know, people do get on with their lives. People have got their kids and, and other things going on. And, you know, they've got other things to do other than go around, like, campaigning about bisexuality. Um, you know, and you're at the school gates, and do you really want to get into it as you're waiting for you? Can you got to go home and do the food of being like when someone mentions something, then being like, oh well, actually I'm bisexual, and then it becomes this big thing. I understand it's hard, but we must, must, must do it um, because nothing will change. And to be honest, what happens is kind of the flip of this story, right? Because a load of men write to me who are married, who know they were bis know they're bisexual, they've known since they were really young, kept it quiet, kept it quiet, then they've woke up one day and they're 40s and and they've kind of been like oh my god my wife doesn't love me she loves this straight character that i play and and if she knew the real me um would would she actually love me and so many bisexual men fall into that trap and then google bisexuals and end up end up emailing me yeah. I know it's like a, a nice thing to do like, oh, i'll just hide it but it will catch up with you eventually one yeah. day you will be in a relationship maybe with kids, a mortgage, you know, you down the line, and you'll wake up one day and be like, oh my God, I'm not honest about who I am, and the person that I love the most doesn't know who I really am, and we just have to avoid that. It's not healthy for anyone. Well, and I always think about my mum, you know, so she came out to me on the radio many years after I'd figured it out about her, but she gave me a hard time when I came out as bi. She could have made it so much easier for me. I know that, you know, I can't get on her back about that, and, you know, she, she did it. It was her journey, and she did it in her time. But just imagine if she'd come out to me when I was young, then I would have had absolutely zero compunction about just being totally free and experimental when I was younger too. And that would have only been to the good. So, you know, I'm, I'm planning when I have a baby, hopefully, to, you know, I will bring my children up knowing that I'm bisexual because that matters to me. Mm, so, yeah. but, but yeah, but I mean, but I'm not, you can't walk, you know, walk a mile in someone else's shoes and all that. I, you know, I'm not judging other people for doing it, but, or not doing it, but, if you can be honest, I just feel that whole society benefits. What, what was interesting there, you talked a little bit about something that hasn't come up in the stories we've had so far, is that whole thing of his journey of being a, a, a you know, a straight, on the surface, straight man who obviously must have had, you know, gay friends and, and all the rest of it. 
and uh, toyed with the whole area, you know, a bit flamboyant with kiss guys, all that kind of thing. And that's something I've come across. I've come across very liberated straight guys uh, over the years who have been very affectionate. And I've often thought to myself, mm. what if they really are bisexual? Obviously, a lot aren't, because there are a lot of uh, straight men who are very comfortable with their sexuality and just do it as a bit of, bit of fun kind of thing. But that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think there are more men out there than we think who are in that sort of, that sort of category who aren't necessarily, you know, some of them might not be bisexual, but they are, you know, very affectionate. And the, you know, Heteroflexible, isn't yeah. it? That's the term. Call it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need. Heteroflexible. Have you come across many, many, many men like that, Lewis? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think the thing is, it's a spectrum, right? So, and also you have those teen years where hormones are running for you and you're just trying to suss out what you like or, or you try, or you want to do something because it's forbidden and taboo or stuff like that. But then you do have people that, you know, they're, they're by, they are on the spectrum, but they're so close to straight that for them, you know, they might like a little bit of oral action with the same gender once every couple of years, but it, they would never have a relationship or whatever it is. One thing I will say, and I'm going to get controversial and then I hand over to Nikki and see what she says. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> what I do think is, I think you're right, Ash, that this is a lot more widespread. There are a lot more people on the, on the spectrum than they would admit. But I would argue that one of the main things that people say to me is, you know, I'm worried that women won't find it attractive. So if I come out as bisexual, then am I really coming out as gay because so few women are going to touch me with a 10-foot with a stick? And so then I, I, then I throw it over to those stats of only about 18% of women would date a man who's had sex with, with another man. So do women set the parameters of what's attractive for men and then do men just enforce it, you know? Over to you, Nikki. That is really interesting. I don't. I, I think it's just too difficult for me to comment because I was always. I've always been with any male partner. Oh, you're not. You've never thought about men, have you? You know, I've been trying to kind of push them down that avenue, just to be a bit thrilled if they were. So I'm. I don't know. I've always found it so attractive in a person that I've been dating if they were by. So I'm not. I'm not in the best place to comment. And I haven't had. And probably because my friends are a bit too liberal as well. I haven't really talked to people that have said, "Oh my God, I'd never go out with a man who's bisexual." Now, obviously, people do think that, and probably they keep it to themselves as well if they know it's politically incorrect and not appropriate. But yeah, I, I don't know about that, Lewis. I'm not in the right I demographic. It's not comment. politically incorrect. So many people have said, "Oh, I could never date a bisexual guy to my face." It's like. You're my fiance. I don't want to date that's you. That's not right. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that's a flat. It's, it's such like a, a thing, and I do think if we're going to change bisexuality, especially on the male side, I honestly think it starts with straight women saying this isn't an issue for me. But um, you know what? But that's then we get into a broader debate, Lois, about who do we think between men and women sets the parameters about what is sexually acceptable anyway? Is it men or is it women? And that's the whole feminism thing. Ooh. So we we could get re we could get really we could properly fall out. We could fall out about this, probably. Could we? Oh, <laughs> no, we couldn't. I'm being ridiculous. <laughs> we'll never fall out about anything. That's why I love you. We can, um, we can have an argument yeah. about anything. We're always mates. Following on from that, what came out in that conversation with Ed was he, he, he mentioned that his, his wife had had um, friendships and close friendships with gay men. Who turned, you know, and of course, she couldn't have relationships with them. That was, uh, you know. Um, what do we think about that? There, is a, there, there are quite a lot of women. I've come across quite a lot of women who've ended up in situations whereby they've got very close to, 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 to gay men and, um, and have been disappointed, basically. Um, that seems to be a, a phenomenon, doesn't it? It seems to happen quite a lot. 
You know what I think that's to do with, Ash, though? I think that's to do with men, and I think more bisexual and gay men are like this, who um, are thoughtful about what it is to be a woman. Yeah. Because I think bisexual and gay men tend to have a lot more empathy to the female experience in my, in my experiences. You yeah. know, they're, they're a lot, often because they've gone through the same kinds of things. You know, straight yeah. men are very protected, aren't they, in this, this kind of way they move through the world. And then everybody else has actually quite similar experiences or they, they experience prejudice in the same way and they, they can empathise with each other. So yeah. I, think that's, I think that's more to do with that. And I think... I do think that if you're attracted to bi men and you've got gay men friends, then it's the same kinds of qualities that are coming out and it's namely their empathy and their understanding for your experience. There's a study done on something like that, which was that women that had dated bisexual men didn't want to go back to dating straight men, even yep. after the relationships has ended. And I can kind of see it because obviously, like from my personal perspective, I, like, I found it really um, hard after I broke up with my ex-boyfriend, so we skipped like two and a half years, to go back to dating women. And I honestly, I, I, I know this sounds wrong, but I felt like I had to relearn sexism. Yeah, yeah yes, totally. Equal. And I remember like, I was living with two girls at the time and I was going on a date with this other girl. Um, and I was like, one of them asked like, oh, so are you paying for this? I was like, no, like we would just split it, right? <laughs> and they like burst out laughing. They're like, no, you have to pay. You're the guy. And I was like, oh, come on. People aren't so like that, are they? And they were like deadly serious. And other things as well, just like that you know, you go into a relationship that's, you know, the same, the same sex. So you're like, okay, well, everything's just equal. And I yeah. do the cooking, so I'm better at cooking. Yeah. You do the cleaning, so you're better at cleaning. Uh, but then you then go back into dating s women and it's like, oh my God, like, actually you expect certain things or, or society expects certain things. It's yeah. such a weird situation. I always, when I was with women, was the bin taker outer because I just don't <laughs> care. I will do that job. But then as soon as I got with my uh, partner, he's the bin taker out now. That's ridiculous. What am I doing? But I mean, I, I have to clean the kitchen and do the dishwasher because he does the cooking, because I hate cooking, which I think is a good trade-off. But how did I renegade on the bin taking out? I think that's, yeah, I, I've got to have a word with myself about woman. it. You can't be trusted to go out. I can't be trusted, <laughs> Lewis. I cannot be trusted. Who knows what trouble you could get yourself into? <laughs> I think we should have a picture of you. Uh... <laughs> defiant taking a bin out yeah on. i need to sort myself out i need to have a word. i'm gonna I've, I've just shamed myself so i'll do it today <laughs> so i'm gonna be controversial now i'm gonna play devil's advocate here um ed admitted that he never had sex with a man there will be people listening who are bisexual or bi-curious we've not discussed that word yet who might be thinking to themselves or straight people might be listening or even gay people might be listening and thinking to themselves well how on earth do you know whether you're bisexual or not, if you actually never had sex um, with, you know, all genders. What do we say I, to people who say that? Because the, the, I, can, I, can, I can understand that point, actually. No, I, I don't agree with it, but I can understand it. Go on, please. I can take this one. Like, it's just... <laughs> I'm taking this I'll one. This one. I've heard this before. It's just as ridiculous as like saying to straight male virgins, like, how do you know you're attracted to women? And <laughs> like, yeah. My son, like, obviously, you know, he's 11 years old. We have a very, he knows I'm bisexual. I've never assumed he's straight or gay or bi or anything. Like, let, he's clearly straight. Like, he, he knows he likes girls. He's clearly straight. Like, it's just what he's driven to do. So it doesn't really matter that you haven't had sex yet. Like if we look at young people and young boys and young girls, like they're clearly attracted. They just haven't had sex yet. So if you, if you have that same logic to bisexuals, it's like, well, 
you, it doesn't matter that you haven't had sex. Like you, you, you know, you, you still know that you're attracted to it. So I always flip that one back as like, okay, so you weren't straight until you had sex with a woman then. Oh, and also, do you know what I always think about this? So, you know, there's always this discussion amongst women, or may, may, I'm sure, Louis, you will have heard it, when w- women say, oh, well, I could definitely kiss a woman, but I couldn't do, you know, go down there. And this is always this discussion about what they, there's like a, there's like a line that they can't cross. And I always think, well, I don't, I think that's rubbish. I think what's happened is that you've internalised the shame around going too far with a woman and that's what stops you. I don't think it's anything to do with a physiological desire. I'm, I'm very sceptical when people say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard it. <laughs> but I've heard it loads of times. It's really interesting. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. I mean, I, I just... When I say understand, but actually, you think they've got a point, though. So well, no, I, I'm playing. I am playing devil's advocate, really. Um, but I do. I can. When I say they've got a point, I think I can understand their point, in the sense the yeah. world the world is so sexualized generally, and and particularly in the male circles, kind of thing. You know, about sex. Sex is very important to men. I'm sure it's it's very important to women as well. But you know, it's so predominant that if you say to somebody, well, actually. I'm bisexual, but I've only ever had sex with a man or only had sex with a woman. Um, I can see the log- you know, the logical conclusion to that is, well, how do you know? Because if you've not actually gone been through it and done it, I can understand that. I'm not saying it's right. Because obviously- but that, You know what, but they, those people would never be happy anyway, because the next question would be, <laughs> the next question would be, okay, but how many men have you had sex with compared to women? Yeah. But they'll never be happy. No. They just yeah. keep going down until they think they've proved their point. I think I've got to agree with Lewis on this one, Ash, I'm afraid. And, and what, how do you feel? How do, you're both in monogamous relationships, and I've been in an open relationship and monogamous relationship. How do you feel about, and obviously um, Ed's in a, from what we can tell, is in a monogamous relationship, he says. Um, how do you feel about not, about spending your life, this is a wider, wider, wider question now, but spending your life, the rest of your life, not having any kind of sexual relations with anybody else other than one person? Well, I am at the minute in a monogamous relationship, but it doesn't mean that it couldn't change. That's how I get through my life, if that makes sense. I always, (laughs) that sounds terrible. That's how I cope. No, I mean, it's how I think about it because I think you've always got to be prepared to revisit that question with your partner. So I, I don't, I don't think that I'll necessarily be always monogamous, but maybe we will. And I, I, it doesn't bother me either way, actually, at this stage. And maybe it's because I always think that it's something that we can revisit that I actually feel really free in the relationship. So I think I'm probably quite different to lots of people. I don't think, oh, God, it's the same penis for, you know, the next 50 years or whatever. I just don't see it like that. <laughs> what do you think, Louis? <laughs> um, well, I've always taken the view of two things, really. Like, if the sex you're having is good and fulfilling... Like, there's no need to really, like, be thinking of other people. And that, that goes across the board with straight, gay, bi people. Like, you know, if you're, if you're kind of having a, an amazing sex life, then you're pretty good, I think. Like, for, for a lot of people, obviously, there are some people that, that you know, still, still need more. Um, so that's <laughs> my kind of, like, take on it. But then also, I know this sounds really weird, but also, like, I'm a bit out of practice with having sex with men. <laughs> many years like to me like now I have a bit of anxiety about it like there's a lot of prepping work to do like yes. you know you if you haven't been penetrated in years like, it's like, like, riding well, like I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know if I'm quite like there like that you know what I mean like 
You know, it's not like I, it's not like I wouldn't enjoy it. I would like I'm still bisexual, <laughs> but it's just when you're out of practice with something. I'm a bit like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I always think about all the emotional labour you do as a woman with a woman that is different to what you do with a man. So like the that's there's also a lot of prep involved in that and a lot of like aftercare, which I don't know if I could be bothered to do anymore. <laughs> this is a fascinating area. Bisexuals. We probably be having these wild sex lives and sex parties. We just, I, I no, just no, those days are over. Kids and everything now. Like, oh, <laughs> there's no time for it. I haven't got the time. There's no time. There's no time. <laughs> this is a fascinating conversation. It, 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 it means at some point we should do something specifically about the whole area of open relationships. <laughs> whether or not you want to get into that area you don't want to go into the area what the fears are you know what you what, what you'd like to i think that's a, i think it's a really interesting area because i don't think it does get talked about properly really you know there are lots of people in semi-open relationships which you know what i mean basically <laughs> don't ask don't tell relationships yeah there's a lot yeah. of that going on a lot of that going on particularly in the gay world actually a lot of gay men yeah 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 that. definitely but um, what do we think of the of the term bi curious what do we make of that what does it actually mean Oh, I don't know. I don't like it tremendously. I've got to be honest, because I think it was a word that was concocted for straight people to have a little adventure, often at gay and lesbian and bisexual people's expense. And, you know, the way that it kind of, I don't know where it actually originates from. And I'd be really interested to find out its etymology, because was it from kind of kink sites, you know, or at I don't know. It's, it's, it's super interesting. I do think the bi-curious thing is a bit, yeah, it, it, it just makes me cringe a little bit. But if people want to use it because they feel comfortable, then that's different. You know what's strange? I haven't been asked about the term by curious in a couple of years now. So let's see if my thinking's evolved on it. Because <laughs> I, back, like the last time I was asked about this, I said it was a really good word because I felt a lot of people were saying, oh, I'm bisexual, whilst they weren't mm -hmm. sure. And then they're like, oh, no, I'm gay. Or I'm, bi I'm bisexual, I'm straight again, or whatever it was. And I was like, actually, Maybe we do need a word for, I'm not really sure at the moment, but I'm just trying it out and I'm being honest while doing it. But I'm having the respect of not saying I'm bisexual. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I always felt it in that way. It's like, you know, it's just a term for, it's kind of like a, I'm figuring it out term, right? Yeah, it's so a holding, a holding term. As the, as the term for figuring it out. So in that respect, I was, thought it was good and I probably still do. Hmm. Yeah, that makes lots of sense. I hadn't thought about it like that, actually. Yeah, I think I think I'm happy with it actually, uh, but I, I I understand what you mean, Nikki. That I can imagine it, it being a word that's abused, as it were. Totally, but then every word is, isn't it? Every label yeah. is, so you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, well, last question then um, uh, to end the show um, because I thought it was interesting. It made me laugh when he said his uh, his, his uh, Ed said his first crushes were. Uh, the two Blue Peter presenters. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to know what your first crutches are. I'll tell you what mine were. I grew up in the, I was born in seven, 1972. And so as a little boy, um, I had pictures everywhere of Charlie's Angels on the wall. Oh, of course. I, I had a big thing for Cheryl Ladd. Massive thing for Cheryl <laughs> Why? It wasn't sexual. It was... <laughs> no, yeah, she thought she was beautiful. Beautiful, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I had a, a big thing for her and also probably Jacqueline Smith, actually. Um, and then, and then on the male side, and, I, and this has come back recently actually, because they've been re-showing the TV series Chips on TV, um, the, the you know the, the Highway Patrol thing, and um, and I still have a crush on Poncherello and John, the, the two the two, um, <laughs> two the two coppers in it. So it's really, really strange. And I was only about 
five, six, seven at the time when these oh, things were so that's, I I think, that's where I think my earliest crushes were. But then later on, maybe four or five years later, and you'll think this is really bizarre, um, <laughs> I had a crush on Anna Nick on um, Good Morning Britain on TVAM. That is actually next level, Ash. I've never heard any, anybody say that about Anne and Nick. But I bet there were people, because it was always Anne and Nick versus Richard and Judy, wasn't it, as well? Yeah, like, like you were in two yeah. camps. You could only like one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not, but not Wincy Willis. So what, what about you, Lewis? What was your earliest crush? Well, you know I'm not pop culture so literally I'm racking my brain trying to think of, like, who, who did I have crushes on? Probably, like, I know this is really bad, but, like, Probably when I was really, really young, probably like um, the main character in The Worst Witch, the TV show. But even then, I don't know whether I wanted to like kiss her or just like hold her broomstick for her, like while she was doing stuff. Um, I think my first, I do remember my first like bisexual crush as like a couple, which was um, Orlando Bloom and Miranda Kerr. Oh my oh, God. Oh, they're beautiful people, yeah. I was so sad when they broke up. I just want to be in bed with them in public. <laughs> <laughs> if, yeah. you're talking, if you're talking about couples and this is more recent actually um i thought on eastenders the chemistry between tanya and max played by jake wood and joe joiner I've, I've interviewed recently actually was fantastic i just thought they were yeah. a fantastic couple it was electric and they played it so well and I, I just thought that is the perfect Perfect couple, you know, so that was quite interesting. What about you, Nikki, then, in terms of um, your first crush? Oh, it's really complicated, right? So my very first crush was Harrison Ford okay. because, of, because of Indiana Jones. So that's really macho, far more macho than a man than I normally fancy. So I don't know what that was about. I think that was more to do with his, his beard. I, don't, I just had to think about beards. So I think it was to do with his beard. But then I had a crush on David Bowie in Labyrinth, which is a classic early girl 80s crush. And that was definitely because he was gender-bending like absolutely like a hundred percent and then I don't women are a bit more difficult because I think I just got confused I just would like be obsessed with someone looking beautiful and want to look like them but I think that was a kind of a crush if that made sense actually there were more real life women that I fancied than there were celebrity women but celebrities it's a bit more difficult couples uh I think I always I love watching Love Island when they come out as bi because then I'm always like oh no get rid of him go off with her but I thought uh Megan and Wes from like two years ago were pretty hot together so yeah, there you go. So our, everyone knows who our first crushes are. They know they know a lot more about us. They know even more about you, Nikki. You, you've. Uh... I don't know where we go. I don't know how we get onto these things, Ash. I honestly don't. It, it doesn't take much prodding, does it? It doesn't, yeah. uh, so to speak. So to speak, <laughs> so to speak exactly. Um, but the thing about podcasting, of course, is it, it, it has the illusion, doesn't it? Of we're just all friends. <laughs> we just think it's us having a chat. Not thousands of people listening in. Okay, well, that's Bisexual Brunch for this week. If you've got any comments, thoughts, musings, do get in touch with us at, at Bisexual Brunch on Twitter. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye for now. Guys, I'm gonna go and get rid of my dad bod. Your dad bod? <laughs> <laughs> it's newly formed. I don't think it's a real dad bod yet. Hey, I'll show you. It's not looking. <laughs> oh, there's no. Oh, Lewis, there's not... there, it's not as defined. There's, there's nothing no... on yet. Oh, he's still got his muscles. There's Ridiculous. no belly there. You haven't got a belly or anything. <laughs> it's on the edge. It's on the cusp. It's on the cusp of yeah. You're losing it. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> this program is an MIM production. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.